Well, if you were listening to us last week, you would have heard us introduce this show with a slightly different name. The name this week is Pixel Sift. My name is Gianni. I'm in the studio with my old mate, Mitch. Hi. Yep. (laughs) I'm so glad we changed the name, by the way. Yeah. So, turns out (sighs) Pixel Sift is a much more original name. Dude, it was... High score was a bit basic. It was a bit basic. So we're much more higher level than that. We are, you know, the highest level and we get the best score. No. Okay. All right. You're listening to Pixel Sift. You're on Radio Murdoch and we are your weekly video game radio show uh, coming straight out of Murdoch University. This week, we're going to have a little bit of chat about a bunch of different things that we've been checking out this week, some cool um, things that we've seen in the news. And we're going to be talking about some sort of high, sort of, you know, Big concept sort of things where we talk about the state of gaming and things like that. Uh, what's some of the things we're going to check out today, Mitch? All right, so basically um, we got a couple of beta issues, um, for example, in the new Rainbow Six game. Um, also, we got some beta news from the Star Wars Battlefront. Um, we got some indie games that are moving onto bigger platforms. And I believe we have, we're taking a stab at the actors, a voice actor strike, a video game voice actor strike. And um, we might have a look at some pre-order queries as well, whether there's been some pre-order changes that have come through today. And we're going to have a look at those and see whether, you know, pre-ordering is the best way to do that. I just realized I just just said we'll take a stab at some voice actors. That's (laughs) yeah, that's actually not what we're doing. We're not going to stab any voice actors. We love the voice actors. Um, (laughs) Let's go for a bit of this and then we'll jump into our first topic, which will be betas. You're listening to Pixel Sift on Radio Murdoch. As you can see, we've been working pretty hard and we've updated all of our stuff already. So let's talk a little bit about video game betas and some of the most famous ones that you might have come across was the actual, uh, probably actually it was actually started as an alpha and it's a huge game. Uh, You may have heard about it. It's called Minecraft. It basically kicked off this whole generation of starting games as a beta or an alpha and users who buy the game contribute to the game's sort of development and make sure that the excitement of everything came along. It was kind of like Kickstarter before it was cool, but I think what it mainly did was make us expect a little bit too much from our beta programs or like just beta programs in general. I think... Yeah, yeah. Minecraft was kind of unique in the way that it kind of started everything out and it was a phenomenal product to start with. Even as an alpha, it was great fun. It had huge potential. You could do anything you wanted to do and it kind of set the bar pretty high and it meant that Pretty much anyone who wanted to try and take that same route for developing their game had a lot to live up to. Yeah, I think I, I actually got it back in 2011 when it was like, I think, $10 or $9, mm-hmm. I think. And uh, yeah, that was awesome. And I, I thought it was great value for money. Yeah, it was. It was one. Of the, it was very hyped. Um, all you need to do is jump on YouTube and like probably five of the first 10 videos will be Minecraft and then the other ones will be some sort of other Minecraft-inspired thing. Um, <laughs> it's It was huge. It's a cultural phenomenon. It was bought by Microsoft for, I think, $10 billion or $10 million, some huge amount of money. Yeah, uh, I think it was in the billions. Yeah. It was in the billions yeah. um, or a billion dollars or something like that, but it, it's worth way more than that. Um, and it basically, yeah, kicked off this whole battery uh development process um now you've been having a look at a a few betas and we're gonna have a bit of a chat about that so yeah so i had a look at the rainbow six siege beta and a number of people and i haven't actually got my hands up myself but a number of people i've been talking to have played it and saying that 
it's not very good. And the fact that you can't really get into a game, and if you do get into a game, you get killed by players who aren't there and things like that. So looking at Rainbow Six from a consumer perspective, it's not looking good because apparently it is a completely online multiplayer game. So in the beta, if it's not performing like it should, I think it's a bit of a cause for concern. Well, that being said, it is a beta at the moment. That is true. Right? So we, we, can't, we, want we can't really them- forget that it is a beta. Yeah, and we so want them to make the mistakes and have the things fall over and all the servers stop working and everything like that in the beta. You don't want it to be when you picked it up and you've walked into a shop and you're like, yes, I've got one day off and now I want to play this game and I have to go to uni or work the next day. This is entirely true. Yeah. And it doesn't work for you, which is, yeah. I mean, happens with heaps of retail games. Think mm-hmm. about um, so many games that started out, uh, any of the Warcraft expansions as soon as they come out, heaps of other games that have come out on their first day. The notorious day. one is GTA V that GTA people 5. have never even heard about. I, I did live through the initial days of GTA V when yeah. that just was inconsolable. You could not play anything. And that was after it had launched and after they had time to fix it. So I think the anger being projected at Ubisoft right now is a little bit misguided. Ubisoft haven't done the best things with online That's stuff. That's true lately. they uh, I guess online stuff, I, I, I thought... Yeah, yeah, I think all of their... Um you know, their online platform when they have, uh, you know, all their points and everything's locked between, behind their own uh, services and things like that. They're not phenomenally uh, popular with their online services. They were in charge of watchdogs, weren't they? They so, were, yeah. yeah that's yeah. that. Um, but I think everybody is just a little bit annoyed at Ubisoft. And I think they're nitpicking a little bit with this beta outrage. I think for these things, um, you know, people need to learn what a beta is. It's not a pre-order bonus. It's not a demo level or anything like that. Um, I mean, probably game companies are just as much, uh, you know, the culprits of this particular thing because that's the way they pitch these things now. Mm -hmm. They want people to jump in and get the beta. They do all the testing and people expect a pretty polished uh, early access sort of game. You know, they want- A number of betas that actually did work well, I think, mm-hmm. was was the um, Minecraft, obviously, that we just talked about. Um, Destiny worked very well out of Vado, in my mm-hmm. opinion, anyway. There were some people that thought it was... Even in Alpha as well. Alpha, it worked very well. I, yeah. yeah. So, but was- I, I did spend a lot of time in the Destiny beta. Um, the Evolve beta, while it had its hiccups, worked well. Um, and what other... I can't recall any betas that I've participated in other than those right now. I'll get back to you on that one. All of yeah. the... Um, you know, the big Blizzard ones, they all tend to be mm-hmm. pretty good. I mean, they're big companies that have got huge money. I think if it's a big company and it's had a lot of internal testing and things like that and they've released it out and the betas are, you know, super hyped and people are trying to get into it, I think they've got to, you know, they've got to pitch people's expectations at the right level. When yeah. they come into this, you can't be expecting to be getting, you know, just early access a couple of days earlier. Yeah, Bungie, Bungie's Destiny was a momentous project and they had years and years to work on that before it even went into beta. So I think that they had a little bit of a head start. Yeah. And I think that that's worth warranting as well. And the, the, amount of, the amount of money that went to that game is considerably different, I think. The other thing as well is um, if you play a lot of PC games, um, with Steam being the sort of the dominant platform that you can get your PC games from, there's obviously lots of other ones you can get, but mm-hmm. PCs, uh, Steam is the biggest one run by Valve. They have this thing called early access, which is very similar. You pay for games as they're being developed. And lots of them have been very popular and they work really well and they keep developing these things as they go along. But there have been games like Space Base DF9, um, which is developed by the same people who've done Psychonauts and um, Broken Age and all those games, you know, um, stacking and um, costume quests and all those games. Uh, They created this beta, well, early access game, sorry. um, And it 
was pretty popular. I was playing a lot of it, actually. It was a good mm-hmm. game. It was buggy as hell, but it was pretty good fun. But you know what the problem was? It was an early access game. Right. And they never quite reached their internal threshold to continue development on the game. So it just stopped there, did it? So it just stopped. They got to a point where they said, we're not going to open. We're not going to be able to develop any more of this. The game itself is still playable. There's no extra missions in it or anything like that. They did open up the workshop, which we were talking about a little bit last week mm-hmm. about uh, with games like Dota and things so people can create Is it still and- playable now? It's still playable. Okay. Yeah, it's But with works. the same issues. They haven't they fix- just haven't really... Yeah, they fixed a lot of bugs, um, and that's pretty much where they've left it, basically. So, so they, le- they have left it. If they were if they were to just maybe take... like what I guess the issue is what really defines a beta. Like, I guess, like... Because well, Minecraft was in development stages for years before it actually came out and said, okay, we're a game now. And when it was finally a game, not really much changed. Yeah, it was just sort yeah. of iterative things. Yeah. I think a lot I of think- this Kickstarter-y stuff where people you know, back into these games and get on stuff. It's it's changed. It, the big games and good games are expensive to produce. And yes. they take a lot of money to put in together. And if you do these things where people get a, a little, you know, snippet of it and they get to play a little bit of it in the beginning, then it makes sets of an unrealistic expectation where people expect that, oh, look, I've, you know, Broken Age, for example, is a good example. Um, and the company that makes it is called Double Fine. Um, just remember that night. Um, <laughs> they, you know, got a, one of the biggest amounts of money on Kickstarter. They were yep. one of the most funded games ever. They It cost a lot of money for them. They had to hire actors. Yep. They had to hire uh, artists. They had a lot of teams. They had to bring it to iPad. They did it on, on, on different platforms. It, you know, it cost a lot of money. And yeah. they had to, in the end, it was so expensive, they actually had to split it into two sort of episodes to right. kind of do it. You know, the, these things cost money. They cost time you know what can we do if you you know have this problem and it is disappointing um but we need to have um systems in place where if something isn't great we need to have things like you know refund systems available so yeah which i think steam is addressing now but i think in regards to the beta i beta issues that people are having i don't think anybody's actually complaining about a beta is like complaining for a lego set that you needed to build but you couldn't be bothered yeah like you you needed to like you just got it out of the box and you haven't built it yet yeah, and, and you're just I, complaining because it's not built yet. Well, okay. Well, and I think yeah. what you need to do is if you sign up for these betas, um, games that do it well are the ones that let you report bugs in games yeah. and do it right, nice and easy so that you can let people know in who are developing the game that, yes, there's a problem here or there's an issue here and we can let them know. So, it's, you know, getting on the forums as well, people get mm-hmm. usually pretty crazy when they jump on forums, especially yep. gaming ones. Um, but letting the uh, developers know about these problems so that they can be fixed by the time you get it when you put your hard-earned money in. Yes, yeah, so in the end, what can we expect from a very, um, like there's an upcoming beta coming up now that people may or may not have heard of. It's the Star Wars Battlefront beta. Pretty. So that apparently comes out, and this is from the EA website itself. Um, October the 8th, this comes out, so it's very soon. So in this beta... Um, all it's only six days away. Only six days away. I'll be, I'll, by the next episode, we'll have it. Yeah. And uh, so basically what we're going to get with this is we're going to get three game types they're all going to be in different places there's going to be the walker assault on hoth hoth everybody's very familiar with that um um, basic description is a uh, 40 player battles rebels versus the empire in the beta they're gonna have 40 player battles yep and uh 8080s uh calling you can also call y-wing bombers in um and the empire to protect the walkers while the rebels have to destroy them uh there's also the drop drop zone on solaced um the escape pods so this one, the escape pods crash down. You and my team must fight to control them. Um, Friday, it's 8v8 matches. This one's a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, drop zones. Um, so you need to employ more strategy and skills to the test. 
And how do you get yeah. into this beta? Is it an open beta that anyone can kind of click the button? I think it might be open. Um, or, is this, or is this t- tied into our next topic, which is going to be... <laughs> yeah, pre-ordering. Yeah. Um, all right. So, it's open for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and or- Origin. Origin for PC players. Which is the EA yeah. um, digital distribution platform I always get PC. confused by that. But yeah, so it's open. So, anyone can yeah. just jump in. There is no need to register. Cool. Yep. And uh, finally, if anybody's interested, survival mission on Tatooine. Play alone or with a friend via co-op split screen. Oh, interesting. Split screen. That's nice. Huh. It's a feature that has been disappearing from most modern games, being able to sit on the couch. I just thought of something to talk about. Yeah, that's interesting because we'll talk about split screen later, I think. Anyway, so um, basically um, it's got TIE fighters and stormtroopers. And I think it's, yeah, so I think that might be some kind of um, player versus, versus PVE instead of PVP. That sounds pretty cool. I didn't know anything about story that. Story mission yeah. sounds like maybe just something like that. I think story or maybe, yeah. Objective I, I, mission? I was, yeah, I, I, I thought the um, old Battlefront story modes were very compelling. Mm. Um, sounds pretty good. Yep. So by uh, the time we have the next episode, we'll probably have a bit of a, a squiz at the old absolutely, battle gonna... fril- uh, battlefield, Battlefront, sorry. Be careful. Battlefront, <laughs> Battlefront. Uh, made by the people who make Battlefield, uh, and that's DICE. You can uh, dust off your PS4, Johnny. Yeah, I'm going to dust it off. Maybe I'll get it on the old uh, personal computer, play yeah. it on that one. <laughs> um, see how we go with there. So I think that's a, a good time to... Let's move on to our next thing. So let's go for some of this. Pixel Sift, all things video games, Radio Murdoch. So as we're talking about that just there, um, a lot of these betas are actually tied into... Uh, pre-order deals where if you put your money down ahead of time, you can be given a whole bunch of digital goodies and sometimes physical goodies as well. Um, There has been a big change recently. Uh, Deus Ex Mankind Divided, which is the sequel to Deus Ex Human Revolution Mm -hmm. uh, that came out, which was actually a prequel to Deus Ex, uh, the original Deus Ex. So it's a sequel. Anyway, it all fits in there. Uh, So Square Enix and Eidos Montreal um, basically have pulled the plug. They had a... Pre-order system, which was similar to Kickstarter, where the more money you contribute, the more digital goodies you get in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't popular. People didn't like the idea of having to shell out heaps and heaps and heaps for... It, it was. It's got so bad that the only thing I heard about it was the outrage. I heard the outrage first before I heard about the game. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the other options they have with these things uh, that people usually get annoyed about with these pre-order things is when they have different retailers having specific pre-order bonuses mm-hmm. and certain missions or certain weapons or certain equipment and all these things. I mean, they're all items that are basically easily in the game. They're probably already in there when you start the game as well. Um, but they're locked away depending on which retailer you go to, which can be annoying because it might be that the particular item that you like the best or the one that you like the look of the most which being said, you haven't actually played the game yet. So you're making a judgment call on something Mm -hmm. you haven't looked at yet. Um, Might be at a retailer that is not the best value. So you might be stuck. Usually it's the retailer with not the best value. Usually it is a retailer with not the best value. And, you know, when they have these particular pre-order deals, they often lock off things like price matching and price competitive deals. So it's, I don't know. What do you think, Mitch? Should we be pre-ordering games? Look, I think it's a difficult one because... The more we do it, the more we encourage it. So if you don't like it, the the best way to illustrate your point is to not go for it. But I think the pre-order culture exists now that I guess it is a necessary evil if the video games companies want to make a little bit more money on the top. But it what it did help with is 
something closely related is I believe Mass Effect had something that wasn't necessarily pre-ordered related, but if you bought the game new, you got a code that unlocked something on their, I believe it's called the Cerberus network, Mm. and that came with the game new, and it just helped. And if you bought the game secondhand, I think this is actually, sorry, this is an entirely different issue, um, I apologize, but if you bought the game secondhand, it didn't come with this, and you need to purchase it um, as a separate, sort as of a separate download. thing, I think, yeah, and that, and that, that I, got that put more money to the developer, which I'm all for. But I think pre-ordering is a slightly different animal. I can sort of, and understand. I may have just butchered the subject. Well, <laughs> it sort of does link together. The, yeah. When they had the Cerberus network, it wasn't a sort of a tried and failed mm-hmm. uh, sort of policy that came out of EA, and they basically mm-hmm. wanted to have a system where someone who bought a secondhand game, yep, had to then pay a bit of extra money to get access to the online features of the game. I think it's just trying to make a little bit of money on those secondhand sales because those secondhand sales are big money and the developers don't get any of that. Yeah, but yeah. Do you, I don't know. Do you buy a lot of secondhand games? Used to. Um, not anymore, though. Yeah, I, I, I actually buy a lot of new games now. Personally, yeah. I never sell my games. Yeah. I like very That's rarely will yeah. sell them. So I don't know how many people are going and picking up the secondhand ones. I would often go... I'd buy them on, on discount for sure. Yep. You know, no problem. But, you know... I. I it, there's an issue here. I think there's a problem with the whole pre-order and, and digital content uh, issue where yeah. companies need to be able to make money. That's that's true. It's true, right? They cost a lot of money to make these things. You want people to be able to make these good games. If they're good at making games, you want them to make more. Mm-hmm. And you don't want them to be like, well, sorry, guys, we've got to shut the lights off and send everyone home. We've got no cash to pay the bills. Um, but you need to have it strike a balance between the two. And I, I find the whole idea of pre-ordering, it's... It's basically you're taking a gamble and that gamble is not one you can often get out of. And I think that's the issue that I have with pre-ordering because there are games like, for example, uh, you know, the Batman Arkham Knight that came out yep. where they had a quite broken PC game <laughs> when it came out. Uh, console, it seemed to be fine. Yep. There was no issues with that. Um, but when you pre-order, if you pre-ordered it and you got it on PC, it, I mean, it got to the point where it was actually pulled off the stores. You weren't able to buy it until they had actually fixed it. If you had it already, you could play it. Yep. It probably wouldn't work, but you could still download it and install it. But it it got to the point. And for people who had pre-ordered that game, there was actually no advantage to them. They were actually disadvantaged to someone who had actually right. you know, purchased it two weeks later or three weeks later, whenever it took them, how long it took them to fix the actual game. I th- it, Yeah, I, I guess... It's difficult, like, withholding content. Mm. It was, like, when pre-ordering and this kind of concept first, I guess maybe when it first came out, I guess, when when our devices started being connected to the internet and, like, these add-ons could be exploited by the developers, I think, I think, like, maybe there was outrage, but I think people have just accepted it now as a status quo. Um... Also, I'm actually, I, I said developers. I'm not sure the developer is truly responsible for this. I think it is. It could is be a it, publisher problem. Yeah. Is it really the developer? I, I just, I think people direct anger inappropriately nowadays. It's a money, yeah. it's a money problem. Yeah. That's what it is. And for a lot of developers that go through a publishing deal, that can be a company like EA or um, Ubisoft or um, any of the other ones, Activision, for example, mm-hmm. where they have these publishing deals where they're the ones who make the distribution deals. They do all the um, pre-order and uh, additional content deals. Yep. And they have to get paid before anyone else. It's a, similar to the, you know, record label deal. You know, you have a record label mm-hmm. that does all that sort of stuff and then the artist gets paid at the end. And the developers are the artists in this particular situation. Yep. So, you know, it is there a better way to get artists to pay a bit of money than, or, you know, get the money back to them 
rather than having deals like pre-order deals where they hit a certain amount or, you know, review thresholds where people get a certain bonus if they hit a certain review threshold and things like that. It's, I, it's, I think that the, the, the marketing... The the marketing directors know that the people but people will just consumable to pay for it anyway. So I don't see it going away anytime soon. It's what the market but, will bear. Yeah. That's what they always say with That's these particular true. things. If the market will bear it, then mm-hmm. they will keep doing it. And if people say, Look, this is rubbish, we're not gonna do it anymore. And people do say it. It they have changed these things. People before. say it, but they need to they need to reinforce their point in the more traditional manner, and that is not buying it or buying it. Yeah, you got to yeah. vote with your wallet if you yep. not if you don't agree with a particular thing. Mm-hmm. For me, I I will never. I don't really pre-order things anymore. Right. Um, if I do pre-order stuff, it will be I don't pre-order things for for physical items. So a lot of these pre-order games, for example, one game that I'm very excited for, Fallout Four, yep. was the only one that got me very close to thinking about. Oh, you wanted that pit boy, yeah, didn't you? I really did want that pit boy, <laughs> and I was sitting there on the edge of clicking the button so many times. Um, but then eventually it sold out, and I was like, "Oh, cool, problem solved." Um, yep. <laughs> so you know, it's, it's I don't all this extra stuff that comes with games. You like know, re- recently, when Destiny: The Taken King came out, there was a pre-order edition that came with a lot of physical stuff, and I thought I, I was very close to getting it, but instead I just bought a replica of the Hunter knife from Supernova. So. That kind of got it out of my system. Yeah, and just, I just get out of the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, yeah, um, yeah. I, I mean, what do you think? Uh, if you've got an opinion about this particular thing, you can now find Pixel Sift. On yeah, is Johnny Twitter. completely wrong, or am or I is Mitch right? completely right? Who knows? Yeah, tell us what your opinion is. <laughs> you can find us on our Radio Murdoch website, which is www.radiomurdoch.com forward slash pixel hyphen sift. Uh, you can get us on Twitter. If you're on the Twitter and you like to do the tweets, you can get on Twitter and have a list, uh, check us out on there. Um, we are pixel at pixel sift, S-I-F-T. It's like sifting flour. I'm really glad you know how to spell that. Yeah. That's why I get paid the big bucks, Mitch. Yep. That's why I get paid the big bucks. Um, you can get on Twitter and tell us about what you've seen on there. You can also uh, check us out on iTunes as well. We have got a first episode of Pixel Sift up on iTunes when we used I feel, to be. I feel like it's so official that we're on iTunes. I know. We feel like in the big league. No more SoundCloud for us. Yeah. You can get us on iTunes as well, so you can subscribe to us when you listen to the end of this show. You may even be listening to this show right now through an iTunes or I'm going to go home and download it and show it to my mom. Exactly right. Um, tell us what you think. Uh, you can leave a review. You can get on there as well. Um, that was uh, part of our thing. We're having a bit of ch- let us know about what you think about all that sort of stuff. Yep. Let's have a little bit of a chat about uh, something else now. You can check out Pixel Sift and all the other great Radio Murdoch shows on www.radiomurdoch.com. Read blogs, check out the upcoming schedule, and listen back to previous shows. Radio Murdoch. The student wave. So, if you like the sounds of voices talking in video games and about video games, which you must do because you're listening to Pixel Sift, um, you might have heard about this story. The voice uh, actors who perform in video games, so there's big names like Nolan North and uh, what are some of the other big names, Mitch? We are... Peter Dinklage. No. Peter Dinklage. Yeah. I like Peter Dinklage. I think he's cool. Um, let's try. I guess maybe. I, I guess are they? I'm actually not sure if Nolan North is pretty huge. I only know the really high high profile ones. I I'm very inept in the rest of them. Um, There's some other great ones out there as well. Anyway, yeah. they have uh, basically 
created they're part of uh the actors guild and what you might know about might not know about uh voice actors is actually the acting of thing is just exactly like the actors you would have for films mm-hmm. and there's a group called sag aftra and it's S-A-G that is just asking for it yeah yep. sag aftra um screen actors guild and american film television uh recording artists guild as well i think no that's wonder how- it's a acronym it's a long acronym it's the actors union and it basically is a big part of hollywood and games are now a big part of hollywood they are part of the entertainment industry they are making more money than films um year over year and the screen actors guild sag aftra uh want to get a better deal for their voice actors who do a lot of work and if you hear those voice actors they do a lot of work. They're in lots of different things you hear about. There's lots of games where they've all popped up in the same bits and pieces. Um, so you can have a look at them. Some, I mean, some of the big names you know would be, for example, um, Jennifer Hale, uh, Steve Bloom, uh, Will Wheaton, who was on Star Trek. He's also in a bunch of other stuff. Um, you know, they've all basically come out. Uh, Jen Taylor. She's Jen, great. Jen Taylor is another great one. Um, you know, Look at them all. I, I know some. You do yeah. know them. You're on there. <laughs> um, so basically, they're going for this particular thing. They want to have a, a, a good deal for people who do video games. Mm-hmm. It is a big industry now, and they want to have make sure that they get properly rewarded and for their time and recognized for their efforts and things like that. Yep. So they're going, they have this campaign called Performance Matters, and it basically is trying to draw attention to a, a strike that they're thinking about having. Um, which we don't know if that's going to affect the games that come out in the, uh, you know, in the near future. These things do take time. So, you know, maybe a game in two years' time might be affected by this or one in six months' time or something like that. Yeah, um, well, I think... it. it I've, I'm actually not sure how much a strike will... I mean, the industry, it'll affect the industry, but affecting our video games coming out, it might maybe just delay them by about six months, maybe. It like it, it. But you're never really going to... You're never really going to get that's the reason. Like, video game company, I don't think, will ever say that the reason why their game's not coming out is because of a voice actor. I guess you, could, you might be able to come up with they Because video games as a whole don't really create excuses for not coming out. They just say, look, we're not ready. Uh, we'll see you back in six months. Like, you know, yeah. like they don't... I, I've never seen a video it's, game company make a big deal about reasons. Yeah, they tend to just push it back. And, and, the, and the consumer in general doesn't really expect reasons because... I mean, the people do get yeah. a bit sad about they it. Do, they do, but, but they don't... They, they get they get a little heartbroken and betrayed, but they don't expect a reason. Yeah. Like, you'll never say, like, for example, like the new Pacific Rim, uh, Pacific Rim movie not coming out because they just have no faith in it. And, yeah. like, it's just been dropped from the release schedule. Which is very sad because I love yeah. Pacific Rim. Yeah, but off topic a little. Would be but, a great game. Yeah. Um, look, I personally think that the guys should sort out this thing. It's uh, important to make sure that you look after your actors. They are a big part of it. They are usually the voice and the character and the soul of the characters mm-hmm. that you love in video games. So, you know, hopefully we can get this sorted out and that everyone gets a good deal out of this. And, you know, video games becomes a bit more legit. But yeah, want- it's it's interesting that how in the interactive element of because like actors like Nolan North and well let's use him as an example he does his own motion capture as well so at what point does he become an actor he he just is an actor now he's not just a voice actor he is now the character in a less traditional sense yeah okay. so do we keep treating him like a voice actor i think or he do would we... consider himself an actor yeah first, I, I would who just happens to do voice acting yeah. for games but like at what point do we stop calling these guys voice actors and start just calling them actors yeah like because their presence the character that's it he's doing it that yeah. the, the character even looks like him 
So at that point, do we stop calling him a voice actor? I think that's the yeah. main thrust of this um, campaign that they've got going at the moment is that they kind of want to have this recognition. They're doing this thing, which is performance matters. And they're talking about the hashtag is performance matters. They've mm-hmm. also got this one called I'm on board as well, yep. where they're trying to talk about this sort of issues and recognition for these sort of things that sure, you you know, you may not see their face, but their voice is a big part of who they are. It's a skill that takes time to develop. Yep. And it's very important for that sort of thing. So, yeah, I think it'd be, I, I'm hoping this all gets resolved. I mean, if you think about it, though, if a, year, a few years ago when they had the um, writers' strike, mm-hmm. you may have remembered in film and television, there actually was a great sort of outpouring of uh, other creative stuff that was created in that time. Right, and these things aren't always bad. It might, sometimes gives people who who would normally be like, well, I'm stuck working on a contract for a particular game or or, or a movie or something like that. I've now got a bit of time where I don't have to do that where I can be off that and do some other creative project. The writer strike took a long time. Mm-hmm. Yes, it did. Yeah. And there was some great stuff that was created in between that. One of the things that I remember is Dr. Horrible, for example. That was a web series that was created. Really good. So that that writer's strike, are you saying that while the strike was on, other writers that weren't necessarily involved got their work out there or the writers that were striking got the chance to work on more obscure things or is it a bit of both probably the second one i would say um so they basically got to work on things that were a bit different so are we gonna like have nathan fillion like voice a character in like some indie game he's in a lot of things at the moment he's in destiny he's also in the new halo so um you know nathan fillion who is definitely an actor those games those games won't be affected by the strike they're already pretty much coming up to the the halo halo 5's launch it's coming up and destiny's out so, do you think like Nathan Fillion would be like in like a small indie title like Hotline Miami or something good, like that? Good, good question. Maybe yeah. uh, Nathan Fillion can yeah. find us on Pixel Sift on Twitter. <laughs> I know he's on there. That's um, pretty much all we have time for today. So oh. it's a shame we've had some great chats about this. I think ending with Nathan Fillion is good. It's the best way to end. Yep. Um, my name is Gianni, and I've been joined in the studio by Mitch. Thank you for taking part in Pixel Sift for another week. We'll be back again next week with a bit of uh, updates by Battlefront uh, beta. We'll see you again. I'm going to go home and play Destiny. Bye. Next time. See you then. Nice. Four. Four. Four.